So we're going to dismiss children to junior church right now. So go ahead, children, back to, I believe, Mrs. Karen's room. So go ahead and head back. And I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm going to set up the passage here in just a moment. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. So go ahead and take a moment and turn and a Bible you brought with you. If you're at home, I still encourage you to turn there. I'm going to read the text. Um, as we're going to talk about that here in just a moment, or if, uh, however you're listening. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. There's a show on Netflix. I wouldn't watch it anymore, but the first season was good. The second season brought up a worldly agenda. But the first season, it was called Anne with an E. Anne with an E. And it was made based off of the book series, Anne of Green Gables. Any of you hear of the book, Anne of Green Gables? Maybe some of you read it many, many uh, years ago, many moons ago. Uh, in fact, I just read the first book of the series with my kids, Anne of Green Gables. I read that last uh, winter and maybe last fall. It's a great book, and many of you might know it's a wonderful, cute story, and the show is the same, at least the first season, about an orphan girl who mistakenly ends up at Green Gables. She's an orphan girl. She mistakenly ends up at Green Gables. Uh, the, at Green Gables is a farm in Canada. And an older man and woman who are brother and sister and never married and never had children had planned to adopt a young boy. They wanted to adopt a young boy because they wanted help on the farm. This is the late 1800s or the early 1900s and this very talkative and very good reader uses a lot of descriptive words. Anne with an E, she always uh, says with an E, shows up at the farm to be adopted. And they're surprised. They were expecting a boy, so they were going to send her back. But after hearing her, seeing her tears and her hurt and hearing her story, they decided to keep her, at least for a while. And they really, des- uh, they really started to really love her as well. However, there became an incident. An incident came about where they accused her of stealing, I believe it was a brooch or a piece of, a piece of a, a jewelry from the, from the older woman. And so they send her back to the orphanage. She, she said time and time again that she did not steal it. She is not a thief. She did look at it, but she never stole it. But she is sent back to the orphanage. As soon as she's sent back to the orphanage, they find that piece of jewelry in their house. And so they go back looking for her. Of course, she's already hurt. She was so happy to have a family. She'd been an orphan all of her days, and she's quite devastated. So the brother, the older brother, tries to track her down. He eventually finds Anne, and he tries to persuade her to come back. And at that point, she's not interested. She's not coming back. And she's just ignoring him, and she's ignoring him until until he uh, he calls her his daughter. When he calls her his daughter, it all changes. It all changes. Then she comes back. She comes back to live with them because it was so special to be called someone's daughter. It was so special for her to have a family. Later, they ask her to take their name. And that was so special to her to be able to take their name. It was so exciting. How special it is to have the rights and privileges of being part of a family. 
We may not think about that much, do we? Maybe we take it for granted, or maybe you have come from a situation like she was in. Today, I plan to encourage you with the truth of God's love, of God's love. God loves us so much that he adopted us into his family. God loves us so much that he adopted us into his family. We are part of his family. There's a lot of discouragement going around, isn't there? There's a lot of discouragement going around. Today, my goal is to encourage you with the truth of God's love for us. You know, there are certain lies which we believe. And these lies need to be rebuked with biblical truth. I think it was A.W. Tozer who, uh, who wrote something that said something like, talk back to yourself or talk back to the devil. You know, we have these thoughts maybe that come through our mind and we need to rebuke those thoughts. We need to rebuke those lies. Here are a few of them that maybe, um, maybe you've dealt with in your time. There's a lie that my worth equals my work. There's a lie that what I do equals who I am. Well, what happens then? If your work is struggling, you are struggling too. That's a lie. Think about it. You are a human being, not a human doing. There's biblical truth. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and chapter eight, uh, 1, verse 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Then verse 8, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and sight. You don't get your work, your worth you don't get your worth from your work. You don't get your value from your work. You get your value from the Lord who created you in his image and has blessed us with so many blessings in Christ. There's another lie. Another lie. It's that I'm all alone. Many times we might think we are all alone. We might feel like we are all alone. This is not true. This is a lie and it needs rebuked. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us always. We're going to look at John 15, another passage about that in a moment. We are not all alone. If you ever feel that way, rebuke that with the word of God. There's another lie that we might believe. We might believe it's all on me. It's all on me. Or for you, it's all on you. This is not true. See the biblical truth of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says this. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not all on us. In fact, Jesus wants us to do the opposite. He wants us to come to him with our needs and our concerns and our burdens and give them to him and let him help us. There's another lie. What I'm doing doesn't matter. We may think what I'm doing doesn't matter. We may think I'm making no visible difference. And that is a lie. See the biblical truth in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 3 through 4. Isaiah 49, 3 through 4. He said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will show my glory. But I said, I have toiled in vain. You hear that? Isaiah saying, I have toiled in vain. Isaiah is thinking what I'm doing isn't making a difference. Isaiah is thinking I'm not making 
a difference. I've toiled in vain. And, and he says, I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet, listen to this, yet surely the justice due to me is with the Lord. And my reward is with my God. So Isaiah at the end is saying, I'm going to trust the Lord. He's God taken care of. Here's another uh, scripture to respond to that with. Hebrews 11, verse 13, verse 27, and verse 39. And this is about the hall of faith, the Old Testament saints. And it says, all these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. By faith, in verse 39, by faith he left Egypt, Moses, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. We endure with faith in Jesus and faith certainly in the Lord. He's got it all taken care of. And what we're doing is making far, far, far more of a difference than we will ever, ever realize. Maybe, maybe when we get to heaven. Remember, this just came to mind. Remember that song? It came out maybe 20, 30 years ago. It was, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. And it is a, it's an amazing song about going to heaven, you know, and people coming up and telling this person, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. We never know the full difference we're making. Here's another lie. My best is not good enough. That's a lie. My best is not good enough. There's a biblical truth. Look at it in John 15, 4 through 5. Jesus says, abide in me. That means remain in him. He says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. You know, we may think... Our best is not good enough, but we connect with Jesus and we live life with Jesus. And it's making a powerful impact because we don't walk alone. We walk with Jesus. We live life with Jesus. Sometimes we feel like failures. You're not. This is a lie we believe. The world may make you think you're a failure. You are not. God loves you no matter what. My theme today, you are not a failure. God does love you no matter what. He loves you so much that he calls you his, cho- his child. He calls you his daughter. He calls you his son. Let's read the passage from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I've given you some time, so hopefully you're there right now. I'm going to read it twice, then we'll talk about it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And, and by the way, we're, we're, only, we're going to read it, but we're only going to focus on the beginning of the passage today. Just the beginning of the passage. First John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. See how great a love. We're going to talk about that for a moment. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. I like the translation. It begins with C, doesn't it? It begins with C. It is as if this is saying, take notice. Take notice how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. Take notice. Some translations would say, Behold, behold how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. Take notice, behold, see. 
But what are we noticing? What is of the significance? What is of significance? We are noticing God's love. This is God's great love. God's great love. Notice that? See how great a love, great a love. Never notice the modifiers. Modifiers add two words, describe words. See, you know, great is modifying God's love. See how great a love. God has love and it is great love. This is great love. Think about how you love people. Do you know people that you will just love no matter what? Do you know people that you will always love? Do you have a love for people that is hard to modify, that is hard to describe? It's hard to find the adjective to describe the love. Adjectives modify nouns, just in case you want a little bit of grammar. Uh, maybe the love is a verb. verb or, verbs are action statements, in case you want a little bit more grammar. Maybe, maybe it's hard to find the adverb to describe the verb. Adverbs modify verbs, and the love is a verb. Do you, do you have a love for certain people that's hard to modify, that's hard to describe? God's love has been portrayed in the action of dying for us. God's love has been portrayed in the action of dying for us. In this case, God lavished love on us. Some translations say that. God lavished his love on us. The NASB says bestowed. The NIV says lavished. See how great a love the Father has lavished on us or see how great a love the father's bestowed on us this is important this has the idea of a rich gift a rich gift god has given us a rich gift in him think about it who is god what belongs to god what power does god have what rights does god have what authority does god have just think about it if we are to believe in God, which I do, then we have to believe he has all power, all authority, all rights, and everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. That means he's present everywhere, including outside of time. He actually created time. He's omniscient, which means he knows everything. And yet he notices me and you. And us. And yet he cares about us. And yet he loves us. And yet he lavishes us with his love. He notices us. He cares. You are not a failure. You are not a failure. God loves you no matter what. He lavishes you with his love. And he calls us his children. See the passage? See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And we are. We are called his children. We are God's children. The archaeological study Bible says this. The underlying word of sonship is adoption. Adoption was, the, was, adoption was common among the Greeks and Romans who granted the adopted son all the privileges of a natural son, including inheritance rights. And that's the world John is writing in. We have all the privileges of being a child of God, of being adopted into God's family. We have the privileges of being a daughter or son of God. By the way, I just heard recently Chip Ingram Chip Ingram's a pastor, writer. He's on Moody Radio, good preacher. And uh, he talked about uh, he, not living as, I actually think it's a book titled, Stop Living as Spiritual Orphans. 
Stop living as spiritual orphans. He talked about how you know a lot of babies are adopted as, as babies. A lot of children are adopted as babies when they're cute. But there was one he knew of who got to be around nine years old before he was adopted. By the time he was nine, he had lived in orphanages and, and, and maybe foster systems. I'm not sure if it was just orphanages. And he, and he learned to hoard food and even steal food and hide food because he, he was an orphan. And then he was adopted. And you know what? He kept doing the same thing. He kept hiding the food. Even though he was adopted, even though he had a family now, he kept living like an orphan. And here's the application. As Christians, we are adopted into God's family. We're a child of God. And we can stop living like orphans. We have the Holy Spirit residing within us. That's John chapter 14 and 15 and 16. We have all the rights and privileges of being a child of God. We don't need to live as orphans. So what are these privileges of being adopted into God's family? You know, this is a theological topic, but just to think of a few, we have eternal life with him. We have eternal life with him. We have that type of hope. We have that type of hope. We have a constant contact with God. Ever think about it? A constant contact with God. We can pray to him anytime we want. And in fact, he desires for us to come to him with our prayer requests. We can open his word, the Bible, and he will speak to us through his word. We can gather with a community of Christians and we are not alone. God will never give up on us. You realize that? God will never give up on us. I was at the barber shop. I was a kid, and my dad was talking to my barber, and, and they were talking about God's love for people. And my dad said, you know, I could not think of anything that would make me stop loving my children. God will never stop loving you. He loves you. He cares about you. It is maybe easy to give up on some stranger, some employee, some neighbor, but it ought to be that you never give up on your child. And anytime that happens, it's tragic. You never stop loving your child. We are children of God most high. He loves us and cares about us and adopted us into his family. God loves us that much. In the Greco-Roman world, in the first century Greco-Roman world, there was an actual adoption process. A child, you could be a biological child of, of a dad. It was, it was usually a dad and a son. But you were considered just like a common servant, a common slave, until at a certain point, at a certain age, where there was an actual formal adoption process to adopt that child. And after that point, you had all the privileges of being an adopted child of that parent, including inheritance rights. God has formally adopted us into his family with that covenantal love he has. We are children of him. The Life Application Study Bible says, As believers, our self-worth is based on the fact that God loves us and calls us his children. We are his children now. Not just sometime in the distant future. You hear that? We are his children now. Not just sometime in the distant future. Knowing that we are his children should encourage us to live as Jesus did. We have rewards in heaven. We're going to have certain authorities in heaven. You can study a book on heaven and it'll, it'll talk about that. But we also have God's presence with us now. Think of the following. You will face challenges in your careers, in your jobs. But God loves you and supports you no matter what. God is in your corner. God has your back, so to speak. 
in your jobs. You will face difficulties in college if you're younger or even if you're older going to college, and that's a good thing at any age. But God has your back even in those difficulties. You are his child. Give him a call in the prayer line. The prayer line's always open. It's, you know, sometimes it's funny. I'll walk around the church when nobody's here because I like to pray through the church. Um, it just gives me something to do as I pray. And um, in certain areas, like the basement, a cell phone reception goes out. If you're talking to the phone, you walk in the basement, you're going to lose the call. And there's been times I'm praying, and I walk in the basement, and I think, I'm going to lose the call. No, I'm not. It's God. I'm okay. You know, get, get, get the point there. You know, you can talk to God anytime, anywhere. Go to him on the prayer line. You don't have to worry about cell phone reception or anything like that. He wants to hear from you. He really does want to hear from you. Listen, you will face trials, but God includes you as part of his family. God loves you. God will never stop loving you. Your parents may stop holding your hand as you get older. But God does not. You know that? There's scripture that talks about that. Isaiah 41.10 and verse 13 talks about God being the one who holds our hand. I think it's Psalm 56 says that God holds our tears, collects our tears in a bottle. God cares about us that much. No matter what struggle or trial you're going through, he loves you. He cares about you. You know, we get older and our parents go to heaven. But remember that we have a father in heaven who loves us. God is there to hold our hand. God cares. He always cares. Regardless of your age, God loves you. Regardless of your mistakes. You hear that? Regardless of your mistakes, God loves you, and he gives you his mercy and his grace. So get rid of the idea that you are a failure. That's a lie we believe, but it's not true. Remember the beginning? Lies we believe that need rebuke with spiritual truth. We are not failures. God loves us. He's in our corner. He cares. See what manner of love the Father has given unto us, lavished on us. He lavished love on us, calling us his children. So stop tuning your mind into these ideas that he doesn't love you, if you're dealing with that. Stop tuning your mind into the idea that you're a failure or any of these other lies I began this sermon with. God loves you. At one point, I shared this Jewel Osteen uh, illustration where Jewel Osteen talked about, it's one of the few sermons I've listened to by him, um, but he talked about, you know, the, the channels, like changing the channel, changing the channel in our mind. You know, our mind and our thoughts, you know, go from one thing to another. And sometimes they tune in to some bad things. And he said, change the channel in your head. And he said, sometimes you have to change a channel a couple times before you get to a good station. And we need to do that. If, you are, if, if your mind, whether from the devil or sin nature or from the world, is ever giving you some of these lies, we need to change a channel in our mind. Change a channel to a channel that's focusing on God's love for us. God's love for you. How God calls us his child. We are adopted by God. We have all the rights and privileges of sonship of the Most High God. But that may not be for all of you. The first step to being adopted into God's family is repenting and turning your life over to Him. So I want to ask you some personal questions, whether you're here or those watching on, online. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered to Him? Do you, do you know Him? Regardless of whether you surrendered to him 20, 30 years ago, I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? 
It's not about saying a sinner's prayer. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. That sinner's prayer is just telling God what you're doing. And it's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. But are you living in a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him? In John 15, Jesus said, abide in me. Are you abiding in him? Trust me, he wants a relationship with us. He wants you to abide in him, but you have to surrender to him. You have to live for him. When you mess up, repent and just tell God you're sorry. You're going to try to live better for him. He's not going to give up on you, but do you know him? Are you spending time in his word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in the church family? However you're doing it, even virtually right now. Do you know him? Do you know him? In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, anyone can come after me. But he or she must deny his or herself, take up his or her cross and follow. Jesus gives us a free gift of salvation, but get this. It'll cost us everything. He calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. He calls us to surrender to him. He calls us to be followers of him, not fans. Followers of him. He wants us to be with him. So have you done that? The Bible uses four verbs to describe our commitment to Christ. They're confess, believe, trust, commit. We confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. That's repentance. And that's humility. It's recognizing we need Jesus. We sinned. We messed up. God, the Bible teaches that God created us to be in a relationship with him. That's Genesis 1 and 2. God wants a relationship with us. But the Bible teaches our sins, they separate us from God. We don't think our sins are that bad. That's because you're comparing yourselves with other people. God's standard is holiness, perfection, and righteousness. And one sin separates us from him. The Bible teaches that, that, that sins cannot be removed by good works. We, have to, we, have, we, we need something to take care of that sin. And that creates a dilemma because God loves us and he wants a relationship with us. So guess what? God took care of that sin. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. That's Matthew's gospel through Luke, the New Testament. Everyone who trusts in Jesus alone has eternal life, and life that's eternal means being with Jesus forever. So we need to confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. Believe in Jesus as the only Savior. Believe he died on the cross for your sins and rose again. We're called to trust in him and commit to him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and go to a state of prayer. I want to ask you, again, that personal question. Where are you with Jesus? Are you surrendered to him as Lord and Savior? Have you confessed that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Have you believed in Him as the one and only Savior? Have you trusted Him and committed to Him? Some of you might have turned your life to Him years ago, but you're not living for Him now. It's a time to rededicate your life to Him. Some of you, maybe, have believed in Jesus, but you've never really committed to Him. It's time to commit to Him. Some of you have never done either. Never confessed, never believed. Never trusted, never committed. If you're right here and you need to, and you're thinking that's me, you're thinking I need to rededicate my life to him or I need to commit to him for the first time. Pray this prayer with me. You're not saved by the prayer. You're saved by what's in your heart. The prayer is telling Jesus what you're doing. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I confess I have sinned and missed your perfect standard. I believe in you, Jesus. You died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I'm trusting in you as Lord and Savior. I'm committing my life to you right now. Please come into my life and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you said that prayer, share it with somebody today. Angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner repents. If you were watching on Facebook Live or the website and you said it, send us an email or a Facebook message. We want to celebrate that. And if you're there and you're thinking, I have questions about God or the spiritual life, talk to me. I would love, love, love to help you. We'd love to help you. If you're a Christian who has doubts, talk to me. I'd love to help you. I invite Steve and our worship team up for the closing song and closing prayer at this time.